Hi, Courtney. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> it's like I haven't spent all day with you. Welcome to It's Never a Mannequin. Never a Mannequin, episode seven. What? We've been doing this for seven weeks. I know. When we, when we reach episode 10, we should celebrate. Yeah, I guess technically we've been doing it for eight if you count the trailer, so mm-hmm. we've been doing this for a while. Right. We're basically like veterans now. We're famous now. That's why. That's why you feel that way with our, I don't know. Actually, I'm going to check and see how many plays we've gotten on the last episode. I haven't looked at it in, in ages. I haven't either, but after last week, I feel like I know at least three people that listen. So. People better listen. I mean, Rebecca's a great guest. Have some respect on her. Put some respect on her name. Yes. <laughs> you're not going to do it for us, even though you're our friends. Do it for her. <laughs> Are you a stranger? Do you not know us in real life? If so, let me know. I want to know. Neveramannequinpod at gmail.com. I feel like it's people that we know that live in the same town as us, or it's people from high school who want to creep on us, or I don't know, maybe people from college that also want to creep. Um, I It's okay, though. Our husbands don't listen, so... We could talk mad trash and they would never know. We could talk. We could give their biggest, deepest, darkest secrets and they would never know. <laughs> I ask Garrett every, like, every Monday. I'm, like, he comes home from work and I'm like, did you listen to the episode today? He's like, no. The only episode he, I think he listened to, like, episode one and two. Mm-hmm. The worst ones. We've gotten better. I mean, I don't blame him. I wouldn't listen to myself either if those are the only ones I listen to. So. Those were our worst ones by far. I think since episode four... I really think we've gotten into our stride. I can't even remember episode four, to be honest with you. I don't either. That was three weeks ago. Who were we? <laughs> different people. I was a completely different person than I am right now, sunburned <laughs> on the left side of my body. It's just the left side. Don't you hate that when one side is sunburnt, but one side is like, not, not, it's like the sun didn't even touch it. And it's like, where were you? You were both physically present. I'm sorry. I'm looking up. I want to I wanna see how many listens we got. Yeah, I mean, that episode should be our best one. Um, ooh, average listen time was an hour and 18 minutes. I mean... I mean, you missed the best part, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, Stopping there. Don't Sexually Assault has gotten 93 plays. That's like episode one, right? Yeah, I bet it's the title. <laughs> It's intriguing. Um, 200 Facebook followers, 60 plays. Last week has 54. Oh, it's a high one for a first week. That's good. I mean, I loved my story last week. Um, so. Mine was good, too. And then I found out more information about it. You know what we really need to talk about? <gasps> yes, I do know what we need to talk about. Talk about it. Wait, you, you, you say it first. No, you, no, no, no you go. I don't know. I don't know. I want to know what you have, what you think. I wasn't expecting you to say, be so intrigued. Is it the documentary about Morgan yes. Nick? Okay. Still, so, still missing Morgan. If you live in the region of Northwest Arkansas, I don't know if they played it. It doesn't even have to be Northwest Arkansas. No, you're right. It is only Northwest Arkansas. I don't think they played it in Central, which bummer for you guys. But um, if you live in Northwest Arkansas, one of the news stations played a documentary that was created by or directed by it's like five star well the guy who like started it is in arkansas and it was actually really great it was such a good documentary if you watched it you can't find it you can't stream it you can't it's not they're saying that it might be on paramount plus eventually but if you live in northwest arkansas they they actually like played it yesterday on like tv and it was great if you have a dvr then you could have dvr'd it you should have. You should go back on your DVR, go way back in time to Saturday the tenth, and watch it. Watch it. DVR it. We found out so many new things that we did not know. I I know when I did. If you haven't, if you don't know about Morgan Nick, on episode one, I basically told the story, and there were a couple of different theories. Like it could have been the guy in the red truck. Um, they also dug in a couple places that isn't in Alma. They also checked a well in Texas. Um, 
But the documentary, which had a lot of new police eyes, I guess you could say, on the case. New detective, for sure. Yeah. Um, they really centered around the guy in the red truck. And we pretty much know for, I would say, what, like 90% sure that it's the guy in the red truck, if not 100%. Yeah. The way the investigator talked, it's like 99% sure. So this guy in the red truck that supposedly took Morgan um, in my story, because it's the only thing I could find, was that there was a guy that tried to take a girl, um, but the mom found her, and then she was fine. And then there was another one where a guy in a red truck tried to get a girl to go into the men's restroom with him, mm-hmm. who also apparently drove a red truck. But yesterday in the documentary, wow, they like released a ton of things that were not released publicly Mm -hmm. um the guy in the red truck was actually seen over seven times in alma and once after he had taken morgan yes um if he did take her um he tried to pick up a teenage girl the same day earlier in the day for a ride she declined he yelled at some kids for riding in the street yelled at two two groups of kids he grew he yelled at some of the kids that were playing baseball for being in the road and then he also um yelled at some other kids that were on bikes they were boys though they were all boys that he yelled at and he was like get out of the street um there's some security footage um there's also some footage from the same day on the same field where they have actually physical evidence of the truck being there on on video. Which was like the first time they had confirmed that. Mm-hmm. And they also, um, apparently later on that night, um, after the guy in the ran truck took Morgan, some teenagers were... Do, I'm assuming smoking marijuana by the river, just like they driving say. around. They said activities very but suspiciously. The video was definitely them like passing joints back and forth. <laughs> they're but, definitely they're smoking marijuana by this river, like all good kids do. Yeah, and the day after, they went to the police and they reported that they saw a man in a red truck parked by the river, and that he was holding a girl down in the front seat. Oh, it's awful. So. That's a lot of stuff that we did not know previously, and after the documentary, we found it out. So Yeah, also the river flooded like 32 feet high the next day, so mm-hmm. there's... I I don't know. Okay, my, my new direction with the case now that I think is I think he most likely probably killed her and dumped her in the river, unfortunately. I, I hate it so much. I hate but it too. It was really eye-opening because... We did not know this information. We only knew he could have taken Morgan and then he was seen twice. And then after the documentary, we saw actual video. Um, We heard like seven other instances where people have seen the red truck the same day. So, and the video of the truck that they have is at the same field where Morgan was taken. Yep. And the truck was just parked there, which is kind of eerie and creepy. Yep. Um... But yeah, and if that good. individual is still alive, I really want them caught, and I want them to go to jail for a very long time, and I want to know what they did with her. Yeah, it was it was wild. So, um, but yeah, that was a great documentary. If you have Paramount Plus, keep your eyes out. Yep. Let us know if you watch it. It's so good. It's called Still Missing Morgan. Yes, me and Lindsay were very emotional during it. Yes, there's a lot of home footage. There's a lot of reenactments. Honestly, I thought it was great. I thought the documentary, the quality and the reporting and all the police like talking about it was really great. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out for it. Um yeah. Loved it. So what else is new in your world? Um, well, I what have I done this week? Um I had something planned that I was gonna tell you and now I can't think of it. Oh, something new in both of our lives. We got our first vaccination on Tuesday. <gasps> yes, we're vaccinated. Halfway. Halfway. It still counts. Yes, we got the Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer queens. Pfizer. The P queens. The P queens. I, I hate that. Uh, like no, that. no, strike that. <laughs> Never doing that. Just, oh. just Pfizer queens. It's fine. Pfizer queens. Pfizer queens. Um, I worked out a lot this week. Yay. Like four or five days. 
Oh, that's wow. I didn't realize you worked out that many days. Wow. Congrats. I went a lot. I went sometimes by myself. You came with me like one or two days. Yeah, we ran like a a 5K. We literally ran slash walked a 5K and it was awful. <laughs> when I got off the treadmill, I felt like I was going to die. I hit my step count for the day that day though. I'm not a runner. I, I'm one of those people who like, I wish I was a runner, but I'm just not. Like, I'm not good at it. I wish I liked working out in general, but I just don't. I just don't. I like the way I feel after I work out, but I actually, like, hate going. I always feel sick and then better. I always feel immediately (laughs) nauseous, and then I feel better. The endorphins are delayed. I, yeah. So, I literally thought I was going to die when we did that 5K thing, and it was awful. Sorry, I just burped. (laughs) Um... But yeah, I worked out to be a fit glam goddess 2022. It's my goal. So that's what I'm doing. Quarantine really did a number on me and I didn't realize it until I looked back at like 2019 and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) 2020 took me out. I was like, did I look that good before 2020? Like, wow. I think it's just the sheer stress. And me home and you're not getting your steps and you're not walking. Like, you're just not doing as much. When quarantine first started, I was all about walking. Like, I was walking my neighborhood every day, really into it. And then after, like, a month or two of quarantine, I was like, you know what? I'm really over it. I remember that. I remember those days. I'm over it. Um, We went and got tacos before our vaccines. We did. Lindsay had a beef taco tongue and it was disgusting looking. Let me. I'll never get over it. I will never beef tongue. I will never get over it. It's good. I'm sure it was good. I trust you in that, but I could see the taste buds of the tongue. I could see the grooves <laughs> in the tongue, and I was like, I would be okay with tongue if it didn't like if it was like maybe ground up and it didn't look like a tongue, but it was literally chunks. Like it was like cut, like diced into mm. chunks, and you, you could can. see the taste buds. And I was like, that's where I draw the line. I just, I relate to that cow and I can't do it. it. Courtney, tell me more about how you relate to this cow. I have gained a couple pounds, like, and cows are big. What? We have grooves in our tongues. <laughs> it's taste just buds. the tongue thing. You and a cow both have tongues. That's how you relate to the cow. And it just looked dry and rough. Like, I it told Lindsay, I told Lindsay it looked like an enlarged cat tongue. It just it- looked... That's not what it felt like or tasted like. I, I can just, confirm. It's what it looked like. And that's it, enough for me. I think I would do great on the Food Channel <laughs> as a traveling food taster. That's tell, really... Um, tell them what you told me. Was it yesterday? Or about boudin? I cannot. <laughs> I'm appalled. If you don't know what boudin is, I'm probably going to butcher this because I've only had it like three times in my life. But boudin is essentially like, it's like a Cajun thing. It's like a New Orleans thing. And it's uh, it's sausage, rice, cheese, probably some other stuff. And it's all stuffed into like an intestine. And like a like a pig or beef intestine. I don't remember which one. I think it depends on your preference. But it's really good. It's really good. And I explained to Courtney, I had it for the first time actually at a restaurant that was attached to a gas station on a road trip and it was delicious the only thing you should get from gas stations is pizza sticks and the little like they're not taquitos they're like no uh, they're taquitos i think i know what you're talking about they're like little rolled crispitos crispitos oh god crispitos and pizza sticks and that's just because they're deep fried so nothing can survive on them i mean a booty on like i cannot (laughs) It's on a stick, too, which I know you have. (laughs) And it's from a restaurant attached to a gas station. That's standard for small towns. I just... I grew up in a town like that. I understand that. I just know that my stomach cannot handle that. (laughs) You have a delicate stomach. I do. And also, I just can't let myself eat something wrapped in intestine on a stick. It's cleaned out. From... Poop goes in there. I We can't have this conversation again. <laughs> we can't go down this path. I just, I respect you, but I just. I, you respectfully disagree with me. <laughs> I respectfully disagree with eating something that poop has once traveled through, stuffed with new things that's not poop, on a stick 
from a restaurant attached to a gas station. I just, I can't. You know what this makes me think of about how people are like, always talk on Twitter about how, you know, we can't disagree on sexism or racism and still be friends. What we can't disagree on is like food. There we go. We are a prime example. Yeah. And I feel like I like, I, I like everything. Like I'm not really like picky, but I like draw the line when it's like, weird stuff see if i was naive and i didn't know i'm sure i would be fine but the fact so i should have never told you the tongue you did not have to tell me i could just look at it and be like that is a living creature's tongue in a taco the creature was not living anymore i hope not no (laughs) i mean i would hope not no definitely not i also had beef head where they shaved the top of the head that one you can't tell it looks ground up, but it's really good. See, that's fine. It has a saltier taste to it. I don't like that. <laughs> the look on Courtney's face. I just, <laughs> I feel extremely uncomfortable. It's going to be okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, this week I ate tacos with Lindsay. I got vaccinated. I worked out a lot. Today I weeded my garden. And because of that, I am half sunburned. And also I sat in my driveway and on my patio, and that's what I did today. Cool. So, how was your week? What'd you do? I got vaccinated with you. I ate the beef tongue. I, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't do much this week. <gasps> I just thought of something else. I'm what? sorry, I'm stealing your, I'm stealing your spotlight. <laughs> no, go. We had margaritas at this place in our town that we really think has the best margaritas where we live, and they were delicious. Yes. That was a good time. I, oh, I did, uh, I've been working on a case and. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, really the, excited. Yeah, I, I'm keeping it kind of secret, but not secret. I'm not like talking about it on the podcast, but I guess I brought it up on Facebook. But she will talk about it on the podcast. I eventually. will. Eventually. It, I don't know when, but I will. And I had pretty big breakthrough this week and I got connected to someone who's really going to help me and I'm feeling really good. I mean, I've got some information that I did not have eight weeks ago. So, yeah. yeah so I have been kind of obsessed with that, honestly. Like, every I've, time I talk to you, you tell me something new. I'm I've been obsessed with this case, and it, it did kind of reach a point this weekend where I was like, I've got to take a break. I've got to do something else. I've got to do something. So I worked in the yard. Um, yeah, I got I got to take some time out from it this week because I definitely let it take over. But. That's pretty much all I've had. I mean, it's Your house just, is almost done, too. Yeah, the paint job's been really good. I'm almost done. I've got, like, one wall. And of that one wall, I've got, like, 80% of it left to do. And it's just it's just killer. I think at this rate, I'll be done by June. So. <laughs> I, bet you'll, I bet you'll finish it this week. You know that last leg of a project is the hardest. Yeah. I bet, like, if you have, like, some slow days at work. Or, like, since it stays light outside way later than mm-hmm. it remember like we were doing this podcast like a couple of months ago and it was like dark this time it was dark there was snow there was literally like a foot of snow on the ground today the high was like almost 80 if not 80 it's currently 77 right now yeah the sun's still out it's beautiful it was strong enough that i got sunburnt <gasps> so i've been sunburnt since march 1st yeah that you're right no, you got sunburned in February because we went for a walk, remember? <laughs> yep, and I got straight up sunburned. Yep. I've just, I've stayed sunburned. The first sunny day, it's over for me. <sighs> but anyway, you want to talk about murder? I 100% do. I'm uh, very excited. I want to know what your story is so bad. I know, you, you've had no clue. This one's been really under wraps. Yeah, sometimes I like. Because a couple episodes before, Lindsay has been like, oh, don't cover this case because I'm going to cover it eventually. And I'm like, okay. And then she covers it. I was surprised last week by the Long Island serial killer. Mm-hmm. Was it last week? No, no week before last. Ago. No, Chicago Strangler, I think I got you last week. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't even know that, that was a thing. I've come across some cases as I've been studying other cases and then I put them further ahead in the queue and then I'm like, ah. I've done that too. I have like a running list on my phone of ones yeah. that I want to do. Oh yeah, I've got a pretty big list. This one's been on the list since day one. Ooh. And uh, this case has bothered me. Talking about things that keep you up at night. This case has bothered me for a long time. I'm excited. Um, so, 
I am doing the West Mesa Bone Collector. I have no idea what that is. <gasps> okay. Well, be prepared. So my sources are the podcast. Uh, they're serial killers. Uh, it's like a Monday series. They were they talk they go over serial killers. The Albuquerque Journal, Vice, and Wikipedia. The Albuquerque Journal. I had like three different articles from them. So, um, one of them was who is the West Mesa Bone Collector. One of them was the victims of the West Mesa Bone Collector, and one of them was just the West Mesa victims or or murder the West Mesa mm-hmm. murders. Um. So, on February 2nd, 2009, a woman was walking her dog along the vast Albuquerque West Mesa, which is basically like a desert kind of plateau area, um, when her dog kept giving this one section of dirt really, like, specific attention. And the dog uncovered a large bone that did not look like an animal bone to her, so she snapped a picture, she sent it to her sister, who was a nurse, and the sister quickly recognized the bone was a human femur bone. Mm. So the woman calls police. They come out, confirm it is a human femur bone. And that short moment turned into one of the largest crime scenes in American history, starting with a very frantic pace to find out what exactly was going on in the West Mesa, what was out there. Hmm. And what they found was the remains of 11 women. Wait, so where was she at? Just like in a rural area? So or? Albuquerque... Um, in 2008 was under a lot of construction with like trying to build out lots of subdivisions kind of similar Mm -hmm. to what we do kind of on the outskirts of town and when you're when you're driving through new mexico i think we kind of talked about this like i mean it's like nothing and then there's a city and then there's nothing (laughs) and then oh there's another city so like literally an outskirts of town like we kind of maybe wouldn't be able to picture what an outskirt of town would look like there's a very legitimate definite outskirt of town out west in like anything like new mexico arizona that whole area so um it's kind of like an outskirt of town it was uh an abandoned subdivision lot so basically in 2008 when the housing market crashed all this construction was going on for subdivisions Mm. on the outskirts in the west mesa area outside of albuquerque when 2008 hit they basically abandoned the entire projects and so there were just entire abandoned subdivisions with sidewalks and no, like, basically abandoned houses that were just sitting out there. So this woman liked to utilize the sidewalks to go walk her dog. And there was, like, construction sites and stuff like that. Yeah. So she would just did go walk you, her dog. Did you know there's a place in, like, Arkansas, Missouri that's like that? It's, like, yes. a ghost town. The abandoned, like, mansions in Branson. Yeah. 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 I Yeah, it's creepy looking. So there's basically it's like that, except for it's in the desert. And so in 2009, this woman finds this femur bone and uh, they start digging up that area and they found the remains of 11 women. Um, To explain this better, we actually have to go back to around 2005-ish when Detective Ida Lopez with the Albuquerque PD was investigating the disappearances of multiple sex workers in the area. And she actually had a going list of 16 women who had disappeared without a trace. Detective Lopez discovered in her investigations that one of those women, Cinnamon Elks, had actually been warning other sex workers that a John in Albuquerque was chopping off women's heads and burying them in the West Mesa. Shortly after she said this to several friends, she too went missing. Detective Lopez was convinced that something was wrong, that this was abnormal the way these women were disappearing, but she was essentially told by law enforcement that she didn't have a case and that these women were high-risk lifestyle victims because Mm -hmm. they were mostly sex workers and that basically they probably just ran away and she's a detective and she's like no so she keeps a going list she continues to investigate Mm -hmm. and then that day in 2009 happened it took investigators a year to identify all of the women found and of the 11 victims that were found 10 were on detective lopez's list Mm. so literally 90 percent of the women who were found were on her list of she was saying something is wrong and she was not listened to for years well i like her i'm glad she had a running list and she was responsible detective lopez is my hero she actually um went into retirement before the bodies were found Mm -hmm. and then came out when the bodies were found she came back to investigate the case because she was so dedicated to it all of the women disappeared between 2001 and 2005, and they weren't found until 2009, so hmm. four years after the last victim. So these are the victims. 
Jamie Barella, she was 15. She was last seen with her 23-year-old cousin, Evelyn, in, in April of 2004. Jamie was the final victim to be identified, but her cousin Evelyn was also one of the victims found mm. among the 11. Monica Candelaria went missing in 2003. She was 21 years old. Monica was a loving mom who was reported by her family to be always cracking jokes and laughing. Victoria Chavez, 26, she was the first woman who was identified. Her stepfather cited that having the police knock on his door to tell the family that Victoria was the victim of murder was devastating and that he never thought it would end like this, that he had always had hope after she went missing she'd be found. Mm -hmm. Virginia Cloven went missing in 2004. She was 23 years old. She was funny. She loved doing makeup for her friends, and she liked school and was very independent. Interesting about Virginia, that's actually very sad. Her brother was actually also murdered in a homicide incident two oh years God. before she was. Yeah. The her poor parents. Her poor parents. Um, Selania Sil Edwards, Sylvania Edwards, was the, f was the only black victim, and she was roughly 15 when she was murdered. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, so were these all so sex she was workers or no? Or were they just, like, random women? Most of them have anything in common. Most of them were sex workers, and actually some of them were friends. Mm. So Sylvania okay. and uh, Jamie were both 15, and they were murdered. Yes. Um, so Sylvania Edwards was the only victim who was black. She went missing in the summer of 2004 after running away from her foster home in Long, Oklahoma. Mm. She was actually traveling with other sex workers for protection, and when she didn't come back from a client visit, the other women reported her missing. Also, who were Like, who... Gets a 15-year-old client. That's disgusting. Well, you you know. You know there's just absolutely disgusting people out there. That's um, so awful. And then, of course, we previously mentioned her, Cinnamon Elks. She was 32. She was a pretty seasoned sex worker. Um, she knew the streets. She actually knew that this was happening and was warning other women that this was happening. Mm -hmm. uh, she went missing in August of 2004. She was actually friends with three of the other victims. Mm. Very sad. Doreen Marquez, she loved jewelry and fashion, and she had a personality that was larger than life. She was a mom to two girls who she loved deeply. She was 27 when she was murdered. She was last seen in October of 2003. Julie Nieto, she loved to sew and design her own clothes. She would love spicy food and jumping rope. She was last seen when she was 23 in the summer of 2004. She was a mom to a son who she loved very deeply. Her sister actually never recovered from losing her and actually died of an overdose two years later. So her family lost Yikes. both of their children. This is so many women. We're still going, honey. Veronica Romero was 27 when she was last seen on Valentine's Day 2004. The family stated that they've never recovered from her death. Uh, and then El Evelyn Salazar, who I mentioned earlier, 23, she went missing with her cousin, Jamie, in April of 2004. They were on their way back from a family gathering. So they weren't necessarily like sex workers. Uh, Evelyn had a rap sheet of sex work. Jamie did not, but they were on their way back from actually a family gathering. That's so strange. She loved to cook. She was a mom to a daughter who she loved and who was she was actually teaching to roller skate the day before she went missing. Mm. Michelle Valdez was a mom who loved her daughter very much. She was her father's daughter. Her and her dad were very close. She went missing in 2005 when she was 22. She had a bubbly personality and was always making others smile. She dreamed of being a lawyer like her aunt. Mm. So a lot of these women were sex workers. Some of the, only like two of them were unconfirmed, like Jamie who was with her cousin unconfirmed. Yeah. I can't remember which other one was unconfirmed. I forgot to write it down. Um, this sparked an investigation that included the FBI, um, 200 interviews, an undercover stint, and a slew of search warrants. Mm -hmm. Um, the profile that the FBI gave of the killer was this. The killer's organized. He's a mission-oriented sexual sadist, which basically means they believe that he is deliberately killing sex workers as a cleansing method. That he's trying to cleanse, basically. Or, like, clean clean the streets kind of Kind thing. of, but he thinks uh, he still utilizes it, but he still has sex with them. So they think he's a sexual sadist because he does enjoy, he does get off on killing them brutally. Mm -hmm. But he also thinks that he, he thinks that sex workers are garbage and he's... Almost like, it's okay if I have sex with them and murder them because they don't really matter kind of yes, thing. Yes, they don't matter. And so if I get rid of them, I'm just cleaning up the streets anyway. 
kind of like he thinks he's like yeah like a savior complex like he's kind of yeah but he also uh all but one of the women were hispanic so mm. he also has a type um of well sorry latina woman uh he's a male who's around 35 years old in that range in the 30s who is from albuquerque and knows the area very well he lives alone and has shown violence to women before mm. the fbi said these were these 11 women were not his first kills oh no if anything they were his last kills or his oh, later no. kills because serial killers do not necessarily dump that way until they get more sophisticated their first few kills are usually very spread out they take a lot of precautions they they do it across state lines they dismember the bodies they do things so that it will never be traced back to them and then once they feel more comfortable and they feel more egotistical and like they'll never be caught then they start a dumping ground so more than likely these 11 women were once he was sophisticated enough and he's actually had multiple kills beforehand that's why he's so organized. So uh, a key thing to note also is that the way the women were murdered has never been revealed by investigators. It's Ooh. it's their playing card that they're keeping very close because apparently it's very specific. Okay. Um, so we actually have suspects. Ooh. Uh, oh, so they haven't caught this person yet. No, this is unsolved. It's still unsolved to this day. But there's two very key suspects and one less key suspect that I'll actually just mention really briefly. There was a suspect of a man, and I actually didn't even write his name down because he was, like, cleared by the police. Mm -hmm. But he was a very, like, top-of-the-line suspect at the beginning. He was a photographer from Joplin, Missouri, who was suspected of other murders in the Joplin, Northwest Arkansas area. And he went to Albuquerque every summer, which was roughly when these women went missing, to photograph new mexico in albuquerque so i don't know who this person is they uh they actually raided his home and found thousands of photos that were apparently confiscated but it's never been revealed what they were about i want to know i wonder if he's in jail i don't know i couldn't find anything else i they did have a name and i forgot to write it down but basically yeah they did acquit him or not they cleared him of the albuquerque murders of the west mesa they could not connect him at all and so he was considered not a viable suspect but he has been a suspect in other murders but he's from joplin i want to know which one so top of the list well i I shouldn't say top of the list just the first one i'm going to talk about (laughs) uh is lorenzo montoya He lived less than three miles from the West Mesa burial site. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, there were actual satellite images of tire tracks from his trailer to the dump site. He was reported multiple times by sex workers for attempting to kill them, strangling them during sex, making jokes about killing them, among, among other things, like assaulting a woman with a screwdriver in her genitalia. (gasps) Oh, no. And he frequently talked about sex workers with very derogatory terms, talked about them like they, they referred to them as like dogs, mm. um, basically street street dogs. Sorry, I have to laugh for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whenever you said dog, I thought, of, I thought how Garrett Student called that girl dog water. And it just said, <laughs> no. Violence against women starts early. It starts in middle school. I am convinced of this. I'm sorry. It's just... It's such a funny insult to me. Middle school boys are <laughs> garbage. But calling a girl dog water, that's like... If you take everything out of it... I know. It's funny. Just saying, <laughs> you're, you're, you're dog water. Like, how do you... I just... I can't. Middle school what boys. What an insult. Middle school boys. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, he even was being trailed. Now, this was prior to the West Mesa. Okay. This was prior to the bodies being found. Montoya was actually already being trailed by police for violence against women. He was actually caught in the act by police of strangling a teenager, but was later dropped because the victim wouldn't testify. Mm. So he actually was strangling a girl in his car and police caught him and the charges were dropped and he went free because the victim couldn't testify, which, like, I understand you don't want to relive that trauma. But, yeah. Whew. So, 
this kind of culminates actually in 2006, which is three years before the bodies are found. Mm -hmm. In 2006, Montoya hired a 19-year-old woman to come dance for him at his trailer. The woman actually brought her boyfriend who sat outside. And after about 30 uh, to 50 minutes, like he started realizing like, hey, she's not the boyfriend's like, she's not coming out. That's actually like, this is a short show. She was supposed to be out a long time ago. And he's about to go check it out when Montoya opens the trailer door and starts dragging a blanket with a body in it <gasps> out the door. Oh, no. So the woman had come in to dance for him. Montoya did not know the boyfriend was outside. And when she was turned around not paying attention, he stabbed her and repeatedly stabbed her. I think it was something like 40 times. Oh, and what? 40 times? Extreme overkill. Put her body... Did he know this girl previously? No. Put her body in a blanket. Yeah, put her body in a blanket and started dragging her out the front door to his truck. And the boyfriend saw it, and the boyfriend actually had a gun on him, pulled the gun on Montoya, and shot him dead. Good for him. Yeah. I'm glad he did that. So Montoya was killed in 2006, and no more murders connected to the West Mesa have occurred that we know of. Mm. Was there no DNA on the bodies? No, or did you- not on the West Mesa bodies, no. Because they were just bones. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They had also, because the construction had happened after they had been buried, their bones were actually scattered for miles and miles around the subdivision. Yeah. I hate that so much. So they are actually, they still do digging in the West Mesa all the way up to 2019 to try and find more bodies because the FBI and the police believe that there are actually more bodies out there. Can you imagine how haunted those homes are? I can't. Well, they're already abandoned, and then there's also on top I mean, of a like, serial killer graveyard. Are like, they still abandoned, though? Yes. Yes. Because they're still being dug up. It's like a crime scene still to this day because it's still an active case. Oh, they're still trying that. to dig up more body parts. Yeah. Yikes. So uh, Montoya, the only thing about Montoya, he very much, oh, he also fit the FBI's profile to a T. Mm. The only problem is that the timeline of the victims, once they like had all these interviews and they set up all the things that the victims did in their last days, it did not match up perfectly with the murders or the women's timeline. Mm. So he was definitely a killer and he was a rapist and he was a horrible person and he, but was he the West Mesa bone collector? Or could he have been a completely different serial killer? Yeah, we don't know. But his timeline didn't match up with the women's. terrifying. It didn't match up perfectly. So then we come to the next suspect, Mm -hmm. which is a Joseph Blea. When the West Mesa bodies first hit the news, Joseph Blea's ex-wife immediately called the police and told them they needed to investigate her ex-husband. She had divorced him after she found multiple different types of used women's underwear in his workshop in their backyard. Yeah. Gross. That's disturbing. Her teenage daughter also found <gasps> Oh, no. That poor girl. Yes. Blaya's also her dad. So it was like her. she found her dad's like stash of multiple different women's used underwear. Gross. Also, one of the pieces of evidence found at the burial site was a plant tag for a type of tree with the nursery name on it. And as it turns out, Joseph Blea visited that nursery very frequently. So mm-hmm. basically when they were sifting through like where the bones were found, they found a tag from a, for a tree from a nursery, which is like, why would that be out in the middle of the desert? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And turns out that nursery, that very one, is one that Joseph Blea visited weekly. Interesting. Okay. So, Blea was on police radar literally from the get-go, but it wasn't until 2014 when two... It wasn't until 2014 when two cold cases emerged that he really became a prime suspect. Two rape cases from the 1980s, which there had been DNA on the underwear of the school-age girls who were the victims of the mid-school rapist, got a hit on Joseph Blea and was a confirmed match. So, in the 1980s, there was a string of girls, middle school girls, being raped in their homes in Albuquerque, and it was never solved until 2014 when this DNA hit and the mid-school rapist was Joseph Blea. Mm. Um, in June of 2015, Blea was convicted and sentenced to 90 years in prison, where, where he still is. Good. And then later in 2015, he was connected by DNA to the murder of a sex worker in 1985 in Albuquerque. 
and but he has not been charged because it was only partial evidence so basically they won't take him to court over they won't charge him because he's already said that he would claim that he just had sex with her that doesn't mean he killed her honestly if you're already in jail for 90 years like just fess up to the stuff that you just fess up to it but you know there's some twisted thing about keeping things for yourself yeah furthermore he was a frequent john of many of the victims of the west mesa bone collector oh interesting yes uh so a new investigator has been put on the case uh because detective lopez did eventually have to retire because you mm-hmm. do have to retire at some point. She came out yes. of retirement to work on this case. And at some point she was like, I, I do have to retire at some point. So yeah. she retired again. And the new investigator on the case is Mark Minari, who has stated that Montoya and Blea are very much suspects still to this day. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the case is cold. They are, it's still active and open. There's still dedicated investigative manpower on it. They're still digging up the West Mesa. It's still a crime scene, but the West Mesa is huge. Mm-hmm. And um, it's still cold. What has been proven is that Detective Lopez was right about something, and that's that sex workers going missing didn't mean anything to law enforcement, and that's why a serial killer was able to work among them so freely without any fear of repercussions. And that's not okay. Also, I find it odd that Cinnamon was going around and telling all these people, and for some reason, like, it's, I feel like she was, like, doing her duty, like, trying to, like, keep her co-workers, I guess you could say, like, safe. Yeah. But, I just, I don't under, I don't understand, like. I don't understand either. So, um, what has been proven is that Detective Lopez was right. And it's not okay. Sex workers are people. They deserve respect. This is a trend here on this podcast. It's an awful trend, but we need to bring awareness that there needs to be protection for sex workers. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I don't care how you feel about sex work. It's, these are people who they deserve protection and they deserve recognition and they deserve to be known as people. And so I'm just, I'm really, I'm really peeved about it. It's very classist. It's very classist. And sexist. Yes. Yes. I hate it. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's the story of the West Mesa Bone Collector. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard that. I've never heard that story. Yeah. That's very intriguing. It's a rough one. That's wild. Yeah. And so it's a still active case. Um... I told you New Mexico was terrifying because when you're driving, you're like... Never go to New Mexico. We talked about this Never go to New Mexico. Was it last week we talked about this? No, I think it's been two weeks. What is time? (laughs) What is time when we're still living in a pandemic? A pandemonium. A pandemonium. There's been a murder in Savannah. There's been a murder. That's almost what we called the podcast. There's been a murder. Wow. Such humble beginnings. I'm going to do a Jane Doe for a case called The Grampy Girl. What? So, Granby is a city. My aunt actually lives in it. Oh. In Massachusetts. And it's, like, in the western part. So, or, like, the River Valley, as they call it. Beautiful. Um, It's a beautiful town. It's, like, what every person wants to grow up in. It's just beautiful. Um... So, Granby Girl, um, she was found November 15th, 1978 by loggers off of Amherst Street. Um, she was found approximately one-eighth mile into the forest, and she was found in a shallow grave partially buried beneath a log. Hmm. Um, she was a white Caucasian female, um, approximately between 19 and 26 years old. Her remains were intact. But she was not recognizable because she was a near complete skeleton mm-hmm. when they found her. Um, she, so, so we have no, we have no idea what she looked like. There's not a sketch been done or anything like that. So we have no distinct phys- physical features. Um, we do know that her front teeth had some decay. So some people are wondering if she was a smoker or if she was on drugs. Mm. Um, 
She was shot in the left temple and was found about three to 12 months after her death. So she was there for a while. Yeah. Um, she had blondish or light brown hair that was kind of long. Um, she also was wearing a 14, 14, 16 size. But in the 70s, sizes were, were very skewed. Like, and they kind of like said she, since she was a 14, 16, she probably had a chunky build. Mm-hmm. But a 14, 16 in the 70s is basically like an 8, 10 now. Ow. And that's like me. That's a normal gal. That's like me. And I wouldn't say I necessarily have like a chunky build. Well, I was thinking. And also chunky isn't very PC. We hate that. Yeah, chunky. No, I was thinking. But when you said 16, I was like Olympian is where I was going. Like women's (laughs) basketball stars where I was going. And so when I said normal gal, I guess I really meant non-Olympian. And 8, 10 is a non-Olympian gal. Yes. So, yeah, I was like, man, this girl was probably on scholarship somewhere. God. <laughs> Interesting that you mentioned scholarship because oh. we'll get to that. Oh. But, yeah, she was like, it says 8 to 10, which is like me. Yeah. Average. Yeah. So, she was wearing a green colored shirt. We do have a picture of it, and I'll make sure to put it in the slide. Our carousel Our on carousel. IG. Um, she was wearing a green colored shirt with a swan on it. A blue sweater vest, blue jeans, and brown shoes, which was typical back then. Um, she was also wearing, for jewelry, a gold yellow 14-carat ring mm. with illegible initials. <gasps> so we don't know what the initials were because we can't read them from the ring. But some people, because I looked up some theories on Reddit, some people are speculating if she was maybe married. Oh, no. Because it was it was just a band. It looked yeah. like a wedding band. Um, something not great. Um, a men's leather belt was found near her body, which police assume was used to drag the body to the dump site. Oh. Oh. I hate that a whole lot. A whole, whole lot. So, she was found, like I said earlier, about an eighth of a mile off Amherst Road and about half a mile south of Route 116. So, if you live in that area, that might mean something to you. But, so, basically, this individual had to drag this girl. Um, oh, she was also, height-wise, she was, like, 5'4". So, right. kind of, like, average height, I would say. Right. Um, average height, average build, which doesn't help the case at all when we're trying to find out who this person was right um so this person had to drag our jane doe an eighth of a mile into a wooded area yeah that's probably why they had the belt i hate it so much it's it gives me literally a nauseous feeling i know i hate it um so route 116 was often used by college students hitchhiking or traveling between mount holyoke college and south hadley and amherst area colleges and the thing about this area is it's a they're huge college areas. Um, in the surrounding cities, there's five colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, and police found out that um, no girls were missing from any of those colleges. So she's not from there. She's not from there or she wasn't in college. We're not mm-hmm. really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she was from the area. I think she was maybe hitchhiking. And got dumped or something, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, currently, she is buried in West Cemetery. Um, she was buried with a white wooden cross reading Unknown Girl. Mm. But in the 90s, I think it was in the 90s, um, the citizens of Granby came together and purchased her a headstone, which reads, Unknown, November 15th, 1978, in God's care. Mm. Um, so, now we're going to be in present day. Um, so a woman named Kelly Dillon, um, she heard the case into, in 2014 and was instantly drawn to the case and started looking into it right away, which we love. We love a web sleuth. We love it. She has no detective background. Yes. Um, she just read it and she says she doesn't know why, but she just felt instantly drawn to the case. I relate to that. Because she could not believe that after like, what, like 42 years at this point, or almost 52 I guess, but she started kind of early. Um, She didn't know why she was drawn to it, but she felt like she had to solve it, and she couldn't believe that it had not been solved yet, that we still didn't know who this girl was or her killer. 
I relate to that feeling mm. quite quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. So she spent years digging through databases and records to get any information she could um, on this girl who she calls um, Gigi, which is short for Granby Girl. Gigi. Um, she does think that this girl's killer might be connected to another murder of a girl. Um, her name is Amory Bresner. And she was found about one month prior to Gigi. Really? But she was found in Connecticut, which Green Bay and Connecticut are not far. No. Like, I know they're different states, but all the states in the Northeast are very small. Yeah. Like, you're in a state one minute, and then the next you're, like, in Connecticut. It's like, <laughs> like, Green Bay is very close to where my dad lives, and my dad, whenever I would, like, fly up north, I'd fly into Hartford, and it was, like, 30 minutes from my dad's house. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> So, um, and she thinks that these two cases might be connected, and the killer for Anne-Marie Bresner is, I think he's in jail. Mm. So, she contacted Springfield police immediately to let them know that she thought they were connected. Springfield police had her contact the Granby police, and the Granby police told her that she should call the Massachusetts State Police. Um, and I think this is because they were so, they didn't have a lot of funding Mm. and Springfield is kind of, um, there's some rough areas in Springfield. Gotcha. Um, when my mom was around my age, a little bit younger, she was actually driving through Springfield and someone tried to carjack her when she was stopped at a stop sign. So that tells you a little bit about some of the area. Um, so I think. Um, I think the Springfield area is kind of rough and they have a lot of stuff going on anyway. So they just passed it off. So they probably were like, Hey, since this happened in Granby, go to the Granby police. And the Granby police is probably really, it's a very small town. And so I don't think the funding was great. It's typical. Right. And they were like, you need to go to the state police. It's typical for this stuff to be moved around. Yeah. So Kelly after she contacted the state police, she's not really sure what they did with the information. She just passed it on. Um, but then she had a great idea, which I think we should probably do for our Jane Doe. Um, she did a reverse driver's license search with the DMV from 1977 to 1984. And what that means is she would compile a list of women who did not renew their driver's license. So... She did this by looking for height, hair color, um, social security numbers, and last known addresses. Mm. And then she, the DMV, at first were like, oh, we definitely cannot do that. Like, that's confidential information. But then they got approval and they're like, actually, we can do that. So she got all that information. They didn't send it to her, though. They sent it to the police. Mm -hmm. And the police um, saw it. So Kelly never saw it. But it was forwarded to the police, and Kelly called them to make sure that they had gotten it, and they said that they did, and they were very intrigued by it, Um, but she doesn't know what they did with it after that. She hasn't heard anything. Gotcha. But I think that that's really interesting, and I think we should do that for a Jane Doe that me and you are both really interested in. I think it would be yeah, interesting to look at if that's... For that case, we would probably need to look at Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. All three. Yes, but if we knew her height, we do know her height and like the like the dates. Her age is estimated, so we'd have to look at anywhere between twenty and thirty, which mm-hmm. would probably be a lot. But I mean, anyone who's between twenty and thirty who did not renew their driver's license—that's pretty suspicious. Yeah, and we could do it for like the date. Yeah, that's true. Like a certain like date range. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kelly isn't sure what they did with the information, but that the police were surprised that this information was still in the system, um, which tells me they didn't even try to look for it. That's true. Um, so Kelly also was like, hmm, if this girl, um, wasn't a student, maybe she... Or she checked with the colleges and she, or she knew 
from the previous investigation that was done in the 70s that no colleges were missing any students. Well, she thought, what if this was a student, but she had dropped out? Ooh. Because if she dropped out, then whenever this missing case came through, obviously they wouldn't know that they were missing a girl. So, like, maybe she was a college dropout, and Mm. she was trying to, like, go home. She was trying to hitchhike home. Or maybe she was a college dropout, but she was going to go stay with her friends that were at a different college. Yeah, like, we don't know. Just, yeah. Um, so Kelly checked with, um, I think she checked with Mount Holyoke College. The other colleges were a little tight-lipped about it. Like, I don't think they have to give you that information. Right. Um, but she did check with Mount Holyoke, which is one of the five colleges. There's a lot of colleges um and they said that they did not have a student with her description drop out mm. so that is currently all we know about Granby girl there's literally nothing else and my thought was like do they not have her dna i guess not i don't because I... if they really wanted to solve it i feel like they should exhume her body get some dna from her skeletal remains and test it that takes a lot of funding, so I bet that I has know a lot it, to do with it. I know it does, but I just... They should solve it. They should do it. You're right. I feel like it could be solved if there was enough funding and interest in the case. I feel like they really could solve it, especially with the technology that we have now, um, with DNA and genealogy and all that jazz. I feel like it can be done. I feel like the funding is missing. 100%. Um. I would really love to dig into this and to contact the Doe Network, which yes. does a ton of stuff. Like, we'll um, set up funds so bodies can get exhumed, DNA can be tested, it can go into genealogy, genealogy websites and find out who people are. But I really want to know her story. I want to know what happened to her. I want to know who killed her. She was very young. She was between 19 and 26. Um, I didn't, I don't know how far they went to like see who was missing anyone. Right. And I think it was weird because she was missing for a while. Right. Yeah. And there's just a lot. It could be a random person. It could be a girl who was hitchhiking. It could be a girl who dropped out of college and was going to, like I said earlier, one of the other colleges. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. There's, we literally know nothing about her. Yeah, that's the hard thing about Jane Doe's. But, like, one of the things is that, like, you've got to grab a theory and follow it until it's a dead end. And yeah. then you go for the next theory. And then you follow that until that theory is a dead end. And then you just – because if you just keep, like, in this circle of, like, but it could be this, but it could be that, but it could be this, you got to pick something and run with it. And I think that's what investigators tend to do – with Jane Doe cases, especially when they're really old. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to shat on, like, any investigators because I know there's some who are really good and they work really hard. But I think yeah, there can be a callousness, especially with older cases, where they're like, well, she could have been this or that or, like, it's this, this, yeah. and that. And it's like, well, if you'd pick a theory and then run with it, maybe you'd find something. Well, it's kind of like the sex worker thing. It's like whenever you're working on a case, I think – especially when you're looking into it, I feel like sometimes you're looking at it as like, this is a problem. I solve it instead of like, this is a human life that was taken. Yeah. They were a real person with real families, with real interests and hobbies and like life ahead of them. And then someone was dumb and mean and evil and killed them for no reason. Yeah. And there's probably like a detachment with law enforcement where, they almost have to detach themselves so that they don't mm-hmm. go crazy because they deal with it so much. But I know when I heard this, like when I, cause it was weird to me because I like, I've said a million times on this podcast, a lot of my family lives there, um, in that region or that area or surrounding towns. And I spent every single summer there. Didn't not know about this case. I've never heard about it. Nothing. It's very and it's sad. Like, and it's very sad. It makes me think like, how fragile life is and then also like to be so young and have someone like take your life and almost 50 years later you're no you still don't people don't know who you are no your family doesn't know what happened to you like devastating it's upsetting because eventually if this doesn't get 
solved, no one's going to solve it. You're right. People will forget about it. They'll, or like the random person will see her gravestone and be like, oh, that's interesting. But like, it's just really upsetting. But that's why we do awareness for cases that no one knows about. So if you live in the area or anything like that, that is the case of Granby Girl. Granby Girl. GG. Um, So my sources were um, a Facebook page called called Who Was I? Granby Girl 1978. I want to know who runs this Facebook page because... I went to it. There's like two things about Grammy Girl, and then everything else is like posts about other Jane Does and nope. John Does, which I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to know more. Like, I want to know. Like, I want to know. Like, is anyone working on it? Like, what's happening? Yeah. Um. So that was kind of like mm, for me. I wasn't really like loving that. Um. We also have MassLive.com. Um, we have the Donut Work. Of course. Love them. We had NamUs. NamUs love always. Them. Um, we had WebSleuths.com. I love WebSleuths. And then I also went to numerous rabbit holes on Reddit, different theories, but I feel like none of them are really, like, legitimate. Right. Um, they were just like, what if this happened and what if that happened? But they weren't, like, there was nothing to support those theories. Right. And so, like, the only theory that I had that really made sense was the one that Kelly found. Yeah. Which was, like, this is weird that this girl around the same age was found a month prior just in a different state. Exactly. And so I felt like that one was legitimate. But, oh, and I also found a podcast um, called Mass Murders. Um, I don't think it's still a podcast. Um, I found it on SoundCloud, too. So, I, I think it was just, like, this girl who had, like, a hobby, and she just, like, talked about it a couple times. But I don't think – she actually was able to, like, interview interview Kelly, though, which I thought was interesting. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I tried to find Kelly on Facebook, could not find her. So. She might have dropped off after a while. <laughs> she might have. I don't know. But I'm that, thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about dropping it off myself. Dropping off the Facebook. Drop it off the face of the earth. I've thought about that. <laughs> thought about that a few times. Um, so, yeah, that's the story of Grammy Girl. Really short, really sad. And let's, let's end on a high note. Okay. Let's end on something. Uh, what's something good that you're watching or listening to? Um, oh, okay. So me and Garrett changed our phone plan this past week Mm -hmm. because we found out we could upgrade our phones and get a new plan and we were going to save like 50 bucks a month. Nice. So we decided to do that and we get HBO, HBO Max for free. Oh, yay. And I found out that HBO Max has Friends. So you're going nuts. I've never talked about this. Friends is my favorite show of all time. It's my favorite show also. So that's why we're friends. Friends who love friends. Friends who love friends. That's a Facebook group waiting to happen. <laughs> Don't drop off Facebook then. We'll start it. <laughs> we'll start the friends who love friends. I mean, we do have 200 Facebook followers. So. We have 300. Wow. I know. I said that with a lot of pride. But it was like, <laughs> we have 300. <laughs> I'm also really happy that our last episode had 54 listens. Yeah, I'm happy too. I, I I hope that more people will listen to, especially that one with Rebecca. It was so good. It was so good. Um, but yeah, I've been binge watching Friends again, and I love it so much. I love Friends because even though it's like a 30-year-old show, like around 30, yeah, like yeah, 30-ish 30. years, um, some of the funny stuff is still funny. Yeah. Like it hasn't aged. Like it's still great. Um. A show that I don't think I've ever talked about on the podcast, but that I really love, or if I have talked about it, it was very short, uh, is Psych. It was made by USA, and Psych is, like, from, like, I guess 2000s, mid to late 2000s. There's, like, eight seasons, um, but it's about a guy who helps the Santa Barbara Police Department solve crimes, but he tells them that the way he does it is that he's a psychic, but actually he's just really good at investigating. 
I do like Psych. I'm not like as big of a fan as you, but I do like it. I love Psych. It's campy. It's funny. It's it's got the the true crime elements to it. I just but it's adore not it. like super dark crime. No, you can watch it and you can be intrigued by the storyline, but you can also laugh and have a good time and it's heartwarming. So yeah, I love Psych so much. All those shows from like the mid two thousands, kind of like that, that like mm-hmm. USA would make, are just gold. So. Big fan yeah. of Psych. There's actually been two movies released about Psych since Psych, like, yeah. ended. And the Psych movies are very good, too. Also, me and Lindsay are going to tell you what town we live in. Most of our people know because they know us in real life. But just in case there's a creeper listening, you never know. Um, for safety reasons, we're not going to tell you. But our town is really, really cute. We love it. Have you been downtown lately? All the flowers? beautiful it's amazing yeah i went downtown i went downtown on saturday me and garrett went and got coffee this morning and just like sat in the middle of downtown and just looked at everything and it was we went to the farmer's market on saturday driving yeah there were so many people which i love because i've never lived in a town before where the people in the town actually like being there (laughs) it is it's heartwarming (laughs) it's like a hallmark movie yeah and everyone was like sitting out by like in the middle the square i guess you could say because yeah. squares are in a lot of towns. It's called the square, yeah. Yeah, and so there was just, like, people out there, like, playing live music, and, like, people were just, like, out and about, like, with their families. It was very wholesome, very, very cute. Awesome. All right. So that's kind of happy. That is happy. Um, as music, obviously, we're listening to the new... T-Swift. Taylor's version of Fearless, which we love. Love listening to her adult voice. Yep, big fan, big fan. Um, mm. Forever and Always is still my my jam yeah well um thank you guys for listening yeah that's it for episode seven we made it through kind of fast yeah we did but i mean we were we were bumping it man mm-hmm. um wow. but yes thanks for listening everyone thanks for listening remember um, plug our social yeah oh uh just in case people forget oh yeah i don't think people forget i just think they don't but <laughs> it's uh, it's never a mannequin Please pod. Follow us. it's never a mannequin pod on instagram never a mannequin on facebook we have a tiktok we promise we're gonna post to um we have a website that needs updating but you can also buy stickers on it and uh that's pretty much it that's norway we have not heard from you yet if you're still listening let us know i've I'll given up send you stuff courtney i gave up i know i gave up an episode ago i just like i want I like them so much. You want someone... I've never wanted someone to like me so much in my life, like Norway. We need need to impress our Australian folks more. We have, like, two listeners in Australia. Australia, you know what? Norway didn't want stuff. If you want stuff, Australia, like, hit us up. Send us a DM. We'll send you the stickers. We will send you free stickers. Like, if you're in Australia, don't care who you are, just DM us. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, check out our last episode, episode six, with our interview with Rebecca and Salim. Great times. But yeah. uh, in the meantime, remember, it's, it's never, never a mannequin. mannequin. Bye, guys. Bye.